Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by USA-primed Frederick's Canvas. Supporting artists for 150 years, primed in Atlanta, Georgia, with the widest variety of primed and unprimed cottons and linens on the market. I've been using Frederick's for a long, long time, and it's always been a great canvas to work on in the studio. You can find Frederick's in your local art store or at frederick'sprintcanvas.com. Sound and Vision is also sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden is a company based in upstate New York and is committed to making the best artist materials for artists to make work with. You can get it in just about every art store and online at goldenpaints.com. Sarah Slappy is a painter who lives and works in Brooklyn, New York. She received her MFA from Hunter College in 2016 and her BA from Wake Forest University in 2006. Her paintings have been exhibited in solo and group exhibitions in New York, Italy, London, Denmark, and Switzerland. In 2015, Sarah was awarded the COSAC Painting Grant and a Hunter MFA Award for Outstanding Achievement. Her work has been covered in such publications as The New Yorker, Flash Art, Two Coats of Paint, Art Space, Art Maze Magazine, Social Life, Long Island Pulse, and Hamptons Art Hub. She just had a solo show up called Power Play at Sargent's Daughters Gallery in New York City. I spoke with Sarah about growing up in the South, Tigers, Dad's DJing, her paintings, and a lot more. Here's our conversation. So what neighborhood are you in? I'm in Carroll Gardens okay. in Brooklyn. Yeah. Nice. Is your um, studio nearby? Uh, it's in Red Hook. So it's about a 30-minute um, walk away. Um, and yeah. I've been going. It's just me in there, and um, I don't see anyone. I mean, I see people, but I don't touch anyone on my way. Right. And I don't stop and get coffee. So I figured it's okay for the time being, but yeah, we'll see. I don't know. That's a nice brisk walk, a 30-minute walk. Yeah, yeah, it's good. There were times that I um, was biking, but the cars out here are insane. And um, and also I realized I really like that time to kind of get my head in the game of what I'm going to yeah. do that day in the studio, just to plan out like what needs to be done, what I hope to get done, that kind of thing, or just call my mom yeah. <laughs> I do that most it's of the time it's a nice time for that yeah the commute time <laughs> yeah so yeah. you're still doing it and and planning on are you going as much as you ever did or no definitely not okay. that's been hard because um I, mean, I, just, I feel really guilty about really um pulling back and yeah. because technically it's I have a lot of time right now all of my deadlines have been moved out and everything is really TBD and I go in late and I leave early and I'm having major, um, major fear of coming out of this and thinking, why didn't I use my time more wisely? (laughs) But Um, I don't know. I think I'd be anxious no matter what. 
I think so. And it's just, um, people were asking me like, are you going to the studio? Cause you mm. have so much time, you know, there's so much time to work. And I, I said, you know, my studio is only 10 minutes away in Bushwick, but I don't, I haven't been going. I've been working at home because I just feel like, yeah. you know, I just don't want to go out. Like, I, I feel like I'm trying to do, you know, I, I keep joking with people like I'm trying to be a model citizen and just stay inside the entire time. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm kind of, I was a homebody before I had my son. Like I, I would just be home working all day mm-hmm. and, and I'm actually okay with being alone and working yeah. all the time. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it gets to the point to where, you know, you just, I don't know, you, I, I just feel like I would love to go to the studio every day, but I'm trying to just be responsible and stay in, you know? Yeah. I've been home a lot more than I usually am. Like I took the whole weekend off and I stayed inside and told myself I was going to make drawings. And then I just watched Tiger King the whole weekend. And Man, everyone is <laughs> everyone's talking about it. <laughs> I had more people saying to me, like, have you seen it yet? I was like, not yet. But at this rate, I'm going to I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah, soon. I mean, it's it's really good. I actually already knew the story because I listened to podcasts ugh, for like eight hours a day, every day. Um. So I knew the story from a podcast and then there was a podcast series on it that I listened to and, but the TV show definitely gives a different, um, you have to see it. Like you just yeah. really have to get the imagery. Of, well, I mean, I've seen guy. the stills of the guy and, okay. and that, that picture tells a thousand words. Yeah. He's just as, um, his his personality definitely lives up to the images and yeah. vice versa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which means I think that he's a World Wrestling Federation star from 1982 <laughs> or something. <laughs> yes. Because yes. I mean, that's the look he's given. Slash like porn star. <laughs> Not really sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then you throw some tigers and lions into it and like see what happens. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's watching, that's for sure. Yeah, everyone's watching. So, but I mean, it's a good, I guess it's a good time to, I feel like it's forced, at least me, it's forced a lot of people to slow down and, yeah. you know, kind of like do a lot of things. Like I've been cleaning areas that I didn't even know existed in my place. Me too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> And cooking so much. I used my stove for the first time um, since I moved into my apartment five years ago. Whoa. <laughs> I ate all my meals Broke at the studio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I felt like the other night I kind of got the joy of cooking for the first time because I was yeah. putting some, I made a grilled cheese to be honest. Oh, nice. <laughs> I wasn't like a making good... a brisket here, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't have anything else to do. I was here bored, you know, watching TV and I thought, Oh, well, I have the chance to take my time and actually make myself something for dinner. And it was kind of nice. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Cooking's nice. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I won't ever do it again after this is over, but <laughs> it's nice. Right. Well, when in Rome, I guess. Yeah, use exactly. The, use the stove. Enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So what do you do um, normally? Like, let's say a, a, any given day, you're going to the studio pre all this. I mean, are you mm-hmm. waking up and just grabbing a coffee or breakfast on the way to the studio and working all day? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. That's my, that's 
my comfort zone, I found that the soonest I can get out of my apartment, like wake up, I just want to go. I want to be out of here and kind of take advantage of that energy to get in and do something. And, um, yeah, I usually work about a nine hour day. I'd say is average. Um, when I have a show coming up, it's more a time like this. It's definitely less. So I'm working like six or seven hour days when I'm there. Um, but yeah, I like to, I just like being in the studio, being at home can, um, make me a little nervous sometimes. Yeah. And I don't have yeah, hobbies. No. <laughs> like, I don't I'm know what working. I would do with myself. Yeah. Working is the hobby, right? Yeah. Yeah. The hobby and a job and the hobby the and sort of job. something you love to do. Mm-hmm. Well, I, Lifestyle, I feel passion, like, yeah. Yeah, I feel like artists, we always, it always helps to have that goal, you know, to sort of like really keep you in stride. I mean, you can do it anyways, yeah. but if you know you have a show, even if it's like a year mm-hmm. or two years or whatever, like you're like, okay, there's my target i'm working towards something yeah and um when when something like this happens it's so weird because it's there's just no knowing when like what the schedule is or how things are or what it's going to be like when it's over tbd yeah i Mm -hmm. I mean i don't even know when i'm going to be able to i don't know go to a restaurant again it's something like so basic and easy and so therefore like i had i had a good amount of deadlines um this spring and summer um in the u.s and in europe and everything now is like we'll see i i don't think that many things will get canceled but they'll move out and they could move out by a month they could move out by a year and so i had all of i have this whiteboard in my studio where i like track what i need to get done by what time um, just so I can pace myself. That's that's the big thing. Like especially yeah. with drying times, knowing how to pace each painting so that I am not s- sitting down watching paint dry. Um, right. And now all of that is like I just erased it <laughs> the other day. I just erased my yeah. whiteboard because yeah. What are you gonna do? It's literally carte blanche. It's like literally, no. <laughs> yes, carte it's blanche. Exactly. Clean slate. Mm-hmm. Well, um, well, speaking of painting and like glazing, or um, do you are you talking mm-hmm. about glazing? Um, or sometimes it, glazing, like- but it's I try to um each layer I put down, even if it's not glazing, it's just paint. I try to give at least a day to so that it can rest and it can get a fresh yeah. layer on top. So. Yeah. So, well, let's take it back. You grew up in the Carolinas, right? Was it um, North yeah. Carolina? South Carolina. South, South Carolina. Yeah. yeah. What part? Uh, Columbia, the capital. How was that? Um, more, uh, more of a part of who I am today than I think I ever thought it would be. Yeah. Uh, specifically my work. It's more a part of my work than it certainly was when I lived there. Um, but yeah, and I miss it. All my family's still there and everybody's enjoying the weather and getting together. And I'm, you know, in New York (laughs) surrounded by (laughs) coronavirus, but, um, 
Are they? Are, they must all be worried about you. Uh, yeah, I maybe. <laughs> I think. I think. I think they are. We we talk pretty yeah. often, so yeah, they know what's going on, but they know I'm I'm careful. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just I I would imagine like in watching the news it's so New York heavy. You know what I mean? Because obviously it's, you know, the cross world, it's like everyone comes through here and of course it's going to be a lot of cases and yeah. You know, I, everything it takes a while. I, I was telling someone it's kind of like culture in a way. Like it hits like major cities and then it slowly seeps out into yeah. middle America. Yeah. Or and how, maybe um, maybe like faster how music... these days. Right, right. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, the, that relationship to culture, I think that's really profound actually. (laughs) Um, and right with, um, with air travel and the internet, it's, there aren't really isolated pockets of people like maybe there was at some other time when, when all these things could be slowed down or paced or tracked a little bit better. Um, yeah, we're, I think, younger people are are used to living in a more global world, and oh, <laughs> for better or worse. Um, right. So, yeah, but... Well, did you, were you um, super creative as a kid? Like, were you into art? Yeah, there's nothing I ever wanted to do other than art. I can remember having days... Um, like in elementary school when when the teachers would be like we have a surprise we're we're going to watch a movie in art class and i was so devastated that i was like no i <laughs> i'm working on something um i'm in the middle of a process and i'm going to go need to get my materials <laughs> and they let me <laughs> work by myself in the art room because like a movie. I mean, come on. I have, um, I have creations on my mind. Right. Uh, but oh, yeah. So sophisticated and artistic at a young age. <laughs> Everyone else is like, yes, we're out of here. We're going to watch a movie. I think I was probably way more pouty than, than that. <laughs> I'm sure the art uh, teacher was happy. I don't know. I think having a kid go rogue is not what any teacher wants. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. But, um, yeah, my my um, family and my mom was always so supportive. We had whatever art supplies we needed, and um, every year when at the end of the school year we would get this little booklet about the um, art classes that were offered during the summer, and we just circled what we wanted to take, and she drove us there, and yeah, so I I um. Even in rural South Carolina, I think I got a lot of exposure um, kind of whenever I needed it. So that was really great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were, you know, getting ready to, ready to graduate, was it a foregone conclusion that you wanted to study art or at least, you know, yeah. that was a part? Yeah. Um, there was a time, like maybe when I was. 14 or 15 that I thought I was going to be a graphic designer because um, I don't think I knew that you could be an artist (laughs) as a profession. Yeah. Um, Or it felt very irresponsible, I think, to say, oh, I want to be an artist one day. It's kind of like saying, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a ballerina. 
but you can be those things. And, um, by the time I was maybe about to graduate from high school, going into college, I realized, I don't know, I just have to go full out for this thing because I don't want to do anything else. There's nothing yeah. else that I want to do in life besides be an artist. Well, that's kind of a gift to have that vision. At least, you know, like, this is what I'm going to do. I can work really hard at it. Yeah, I think it's a huge gift. Um, I think it's a an amazing gift just to have a passion, um, like mm-hmm. a singular passion in life. Um, I know so many people who have worked for a while and they just feel like, oh, this isn't it. I need to, I need to find something. And sometimes I feel very spoiled in that I can say, oh, I'm, I always knew this thing and, and I got to start working towards it from a really young age. Um, yeah. So, when I was younger, I used to meet people who couldn't find that thing and I would just be like, what, yeah. why? You can't find something or you don't know? Yeah. That's weird. You know, and then as yeah. you get older, you realize like, oh, it is really hard for something. Like, you know, that's that's tough to not know because then you feel mm-hmm. like, well, what am I? You feel like you're treading water. I yeah. would imagine. Yeah, completely. Um, yeah. But in a way, I guess I kind of do know what that feels like because I don't, like I said, I don't have any hobbies. <laughs> so <laughs> if I had to pick something else, I don't know what I would choose I don't like farming on the weekends. I don't know. What does one do? <laughs> a DJ, of course. DJing on a cruise ship. You know. <laughs> Come on, Sarah. Bye, right. Oh, gosh, duh. Um, <laughs> my dad, since he retired, has become a DJ. <laughs> DJ oh, my Slappy. goodness. See, I yeah. knew it. It's in the blood. <laughs> what kind of music are we talking? Is this like um, Daft well, Punk his... or James Taylor? to be fair on his custom sign that he hangs in front of his dj uh equipment it does say he plays music of all kinds so professional and diverse (laughs) (laughs) that's great yeah that's a good hobby i mean what did he do for a career like what was his job job he um was in vet pharmaceutical sales so he sold like anything that your vet sells you to you know for surgery or to get rid of fleas um but now he's letting his hair down oh yeah yeah big time (laughs) dj slappy yeah we kind of love it yeah Yeah. (laughs) um he's gotta be having fun oh i think he's having a great time and he was always a music fanatic um Music specifically, but sound, like he has a very keen ear for sound. And so I think it gave him um, a reason to spend a lot of money on some speakers and force everybody to listen to it with (laughs) in a good way. Yeah. Growing up, was he, was music always in the house? Was it a big thing? Yeah. Music was always in the house, but um, yeah, but I think our focus was my two sisters and I were, are, have always been, um, artists of, of mm-hmm. some kind. Um, so I think none, none of us play instruments. God knows none of us can sing. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. So I think the music was always in the background, which was lovely. Um, while we were busy, like throwing markers at each other and, um, 
Yeah, drawing Barbies and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Um, that's cool that Dad turned into a DJ. Right. <laughs> it's cool in a way. <laughs> in yeah. some ways. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's nice, too, to know that, like, for your future openings, he can come play this Oh, my God. How proud would you be? <laughs> that is a very interesting way to phrase that question. <laughs> I think he would be very game to do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine like a New York City art opening? <laughs> DJ Slappy would be hitting the big time. DJ Bill Slappy. Yes, I can hear it. You know everyone would love it, though, who came to the show. Yeah, they would. You're, yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it would go from James Taylor to like Biggie or, you know. Oh, nice. yeah, yeah. 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 It would. Um, That's cool. Oh, crap. Well, now I have do to me do a favor. This. Yeah. Don't let him listen to this podcast. Don't, <laughs> don't have any ideas. <laughs> I don't know if I can trust my sisters not to play it for him. Oh, no. Next thing you know, Ooh. when's that opening? So, um, oh, they're all well, TBD. Let's go back. Thank God. Oh, yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah, I'll yeah. let you know, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> so was uh, was school good as far as like college? Um. Well, first, I have, I have to say I had the best um, public school education in South Carolina. It was. I just got really lucky. Um, I had, and I was out in the country, like our town had one stoplight. Um, and I had teachers who had PhDs and my art teachers were always staying late with me in the, um, in the art room to let me finish up whatever I wanted. I just had a fantastic education. So I have to, I have to thank them for that. And then that's great. Yeah. Um, and then I went to Wake Forest for undergrad in North Carolina and also had a stellar um, experience there. My professors yeah. are my gurus still. I, I still talk with them and my painting professor is, um, I think she's That's just cool, brilliant. Wake Forest is such a, I, I, you know, I knew this, I used to go to Duke soccer camp over the summers. And, oh, really? You, know, you get to know about North Carolina schools yeah. and stuff. And Wake Forest was one of those schools that you would learn about. But I didn't yeah. realize, I didn't, of course, I, I don't know anything about their art program, but it was really good. Yeah, um, was, I didn't either. I don't think they're really known for their art program. I went because um, I wanted... I didn't want to go to an art school. I wanted a liberal arts education and I wanted something that was academically rigorous too, because I'm just a glutton for punishment like that. And, um, and they had the thing that kind of convinced me is they had this really big scholarship, um, called the presidential scholarship in art or something. And, um, I had wrote, I applied for it. I wrote seven essays, I think. I had three rounds of interviews. And I just thought if a school is willing to put this much into giving a scholarship to a student in the arts, like if they're willing to dump this money into their art program, then they must really value it. And um, yeah. and I think that was definitely the case. And I got the scholarship and that's kind of the what the deciding factor of 
of why I went there. Um, and yeah, it's a small, it's a small department, uh, but the faculty are just, everyone's been, um, has had their time showing and living in New York and then sort of settling in the South and still showing, still having museum shows. So it was, um, it was great. Yeah. It sounds like a good experience. And then how big was, was it a big program or was Um, it pretty small? It was small. It was small enough that, um, at the end of a painting class, you just left your painting on the easel because you were the only person in that classroom. (laughs) Yeah. You just like come work (laughs) on it. (laughs) There's one painting class taught at a time. Um, so yeah, it was small. Um, I don't know exactly. Maybe there were like 30 majors who graduated a year with a studio art major. Um, Across the areas? Um, yeah. It, I could be completely wrong about that. But it wouldn't be much more than that. Yeah. Um, well, that's good. So you got a lot of yeah. one-on-one instruction. Oh, yeah. A lot. Couldn't sneak through the cracks. In some <laughs> big art schools, like I've, you, I'm, maybe you visited, but... You know, I visited and you're like, well, how do you even see all the, profe- I mean, there's so many students. Yeah. So I would yeah. imagine that's a good situation to have like a small type program like that. Yeah. Well, between the size of the program and the, um, I think the dedication of the faculty, um, just being really involved, like I babysat for my painting and sculpture professors too. We were, everyone's just kind of in each other's lives in a, in a, really positive way so that helped it also keeps you accountable as an 18 year old when you don't want to do your work but you really like and know your professor you don't want to fuck up and have them disappointed in you (laughs) yeah yeah so So, whenever you were about the what was the did you begin with sort of straightforward work or like when did you start to your work start to move into like your voice Um, hmm. like was it still lives at first and you're you know traditional uh based on um like the uh the curriculum yeah oh that's a good question because that's something i've been thinking about um i taught for the first time uh in the fall um and so it's been on my mind but uh we had uh in our very first painting class, it was assignment driven for the first maybe two assignments. And then after that, um, it moved to like you write essentially a thesis and make a painting about that. And then at the very end, it was completely self-driven. We always were writing about our work, which I think was really helpful. And uh, yeah, and it seems like other programs maybe if you have maybe if it's a dedicated art school you spend more time um not being self-driven because you have so much more opportunity to be in art classes but ours were a little condensed like that um and that was really helpful the writing and the self uh like making decisions for yourself about what you're gonna make right Um, so, like, as you're in your final year there, what's the work looking like? Um, 
I was making, um, do you know, toile fabric? I was, um, and this became like kind of a fad for a while, um, which I had no idea because I was in North Carolina making these things that I thought were like totally novel and amazing. And then I got to New York and I was like, oh, you can find this at Urban Outfitters. But um, (laughs) it was terrible. (laughs) But I was taking this toile fabric and um, reimagining it, um, like kind of painting into it. I, I would make my own toile essentially and I would paint into it and layer over it and like destroy some things and kind of take it apart. Um, but it was all, it was always all about the body. I've always yeah. made work about the body. Um, so yeah, that's what I was doing. I still, I still like those paintings. They had a time and a place, I think in my yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, then what was the plan once you graduated? No plan. Um, dive into a sea of terror and unknown and <laughs> god awful. <laughs> the abyss, yes. <laughs> um, I had no idea what I was going to do. I was really terrified. And <clears throat> a friend of mine who was a year older than me had come up to New York and said, I am traveling for a little bit. Do you and a friend of mine, do you want to share or sublet my apartment for like two weeks? And we said, sure. So I thought I'll come up to New York, sublet this apartment for two or maybe three weeks, go back to South Carolina and like sit at home on my floor and cry until I like figured my shit out. And I got up here, and it was 2006, so pre-recession. Right. And um, I didn't even know if I liked I thought New York was too scary. I thought I didn't know if I would be able to, like, jump right into living here. And um, I went to a temp agency, just like, I don't know, get my foot in the door. And they said, we have a job that we could put you in at Coach Leather Goods on Monday and this was Friday and I was like okay and um so I got that job I was an assistant for a year and then I became a designer and designed there for five years and just never left the city (laughs) yeah so I did handbag when their offices were on 33rd like over by 34th Yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah have you been to the office? Yeah, I've been. Oh, yeah? <laughs> no, I mean, I I just know where it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> but did we but cross you were, paths? You were designing? Yeah. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, I did that for So that years. gave you a gig, basically. Yeah. That was my gig. So that enabled you to sort of plant your feet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's so nice. You didn't have to go back and sit on the floor and weep. I know. <laughs> and figure out what you're going to do with your life. <laughs> But then I had to work all the time. <laughs> yeah. Pick your poison. Uh, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. It was It was good. It was a really, it was a good experience, a challenge, a time to learn that um, I really do want to be an artist and that I'm not, I, I can't do anything else. Um, 
it was that was helpful like learning how to put your foot down um and and put a stake in the ground and say like i'm not i'm not doing this on nights and weekends anymore i'm really gonna do it is um yeah it's like drawing a line in the sand and saying this is where i stand and and i'm not gonna budge so yeah that helped well how long after you had that gig like did you i mean did you have a studio right away or did it take you some time and like getting the work back up and running was that hard to do with the full-time yeah thing it was really hard and i was really scared that i wouldn't be able to um right that i would just kind of let it go and art would be this you know like the one who got away but um i started uh i had a studio apartment at the time and i taped off a section of a wall and just forced myself to get in there and like make drawings and at first they were ink drawings on paper because that seemed pretty easy and then I thought what if I just put some watercolor on there that's kind of like painting but not as scary as oil painting and uh and then it built up and and then I was really back in the zone making paintings um and knowing that I wanted to apply to grad school and so to prepare for that I painted every night from eight to twelve and on weekends and uh yeah, it was, I don't think I've worked harder since that time. <laughs> it was, yeah, it's tough, right? It like that day job and then yeah, like working at nights. My first yeah. job when I moved to New York was, mm-hmm. this was in the 90s, was uh, doing windows at Macy's. Oh, yeah. So I would, That's I would work. work like 8, you know, leave the apartment like 7.30 or something. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, work from like 8 to 6. Then I, I think I ate spaghetti every single night yeah. or scrambled eggs. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that's all the bodega I've I had done downstairs. That diet. Yeah. So spaghetti and then just paint until one in the morning and then go to sleep and do the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's exhausting. It's so exhausting. I mean, thank God I was young when I was doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, I had more energy, I guess, or a little blind yeah. energy. But, um, yeah, it's not easy. Or just desperation. <laughs> But the fear, like you were saying, the fear of, oh, I could just, you know, have this job and then, you know, what mm-hmm. happens if I never work again? And yeah. for, well, for me, it wasn't even, oh, I was like, I have to work. So, yeah. you know, it just meant I had to squeeze it in whenever I wasn't, you know, going to Midtown, which exactly. can be the worst commute in the world. <laughs> I've known a few other people who do windows like that. Yeah. And they work really odd hours because they have to be in there when there are no shoppers and it's there seems to be a lot of prep time to get that job done. Um, so you can get in there and put it in the window and like go get out. Yeah. Well, I wasn't designing when I mean, this, I was young, I was just doing production stuff. So, yeah. but the bad thing about the Macy's gig was it was during the day. And it was when it was filled with people. So around like holidays, it would take us 20 minutes to get from one side of the store to the other because there were so many people in there. Carrying like lots of um, fake snow and stuff. Oh yeah, it was brutal. And uh, I remember like Y2K was happening at that point and I was so nervous to commute to work because, you know, they thought the world was going to end basically. Like computers would melt down. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
remember Yeah, no that. one knew what was going to happen. But when you commute every day to 34th Street and Herald Square, you feel like you're in the center of the universe. Like, it's uh, so dense. I did it all those yeah. years. Yeah, that was my I commuted to Macy's and walked every day. It was surreal. It, that yeah. was not the... Um, it was not the career for me. <laughs> right. Well, nothing feels better than like dropping that, you know, <sighs> that gig and being able to just work. Nothing. Nothing feels better. Yeah. Yeah. The day that I quit, I didn't even know that I was going to quit that day. I just reached an apex of can't do this anymore. And oh, you, <clears throat> you, did you give them the I give you no notice notice? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> this that was, just didn't show I up don't the next think day. you want me back for two weeks. <laughs> Notice. Like, wait, isn't Sarah usually sitting at this desk? <laughs> she hasn't been here in a week. Who? Sarah, who? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was. Oof. I, I gave them notice, but I did not plan on coming back for those two yeah. weeks. Right. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And then I, um, I left and I worked part-time for a gallery in Chelsea for a little while as the artist liaison and um, that's when I was finishing up my applications to grad school and then I uh, I went to Hunter so yeah, yeah rest is was history. that a great experience being in the city and being able to like stay and, and work more basically right you had like a two-year yeah. is a two or three-year program uh, I did the three the three yeah so I think three you can years do, of work speed it up it's it's pretty yeah. great. The for the cost of the tuition, it's you couldn't even rent a studio for what you pay in tuition, um, and you keep it during the summer. And right. yeah, I had a really good experience there. Um, I learned a lot about. Um, I'd say my biggest takeaway is learning how to steel myself against certain kinds of feedback. And letting in yeah. what feels right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, uh, it's nice that you learned that in school because a lot of times, a lot of times it's uh. not until you leave the gauntlet that you realize. <laughs> oh, I think yeah. I learned it at the end. Like the last right. few months, I think I learned. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did have an extra year. That's most true. Pro- most programs are the two year variety. So you kind of get I, spun in circles yeah. and you're out of there. <clears throat> I don't know how I, I was thinking about that. I don't know how people do that with two year programs because it's essentially four semesters and those semesters fly by and um yeah, it just doesn't seem like quite enough time to me. But I, so if you can do three year, I would I would always do three years. Maybe well, I would see, do I, more. I think it was probably good for you too because you spent time in between. Yeah. You know, like I went straight from undergrad to grad school, so mm-hmm. that's seven years because I went an extra semester, so it was basically like seven years straight of school. school. Yeah, and then I did Skowhegan right time. after school, so it was a, a lot yeah. of. By the One time all that another. was over, I was ready to take a break. Yeah, you had enough voices probably to, <laughs> yeah. in your head. Yeah, yeah, I was ready for the silence. Although yes. it does get real <laughs> quiet when you get out. <laughs> I like it. Oh, I yeah, really no, no, like it's it. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I like, I like asking a certain amount of people for very specific feedback, and beyond right. that, and to, I think I'm, I'm, I'm working on being less malleable. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, they must have had to drag people out of the studios after that third year at Hunter. <sighs> yeah. Well, they used the parties over used to be right. Um, <laughs> say goodbye to your like sweet, beautiful Tribeca studio. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the worst. Knowing that afterwards, I'm like no one knows where they're gonna work. Yeah. Um, I think people were, for the most part, ready to stop with all of the critiques. Um, but yeah, not knowing. It's it's just like it's graduating like undergrad again yeah. and having having a lot of unknowns in front of you and things like health insurance and the day-to-day minutiae um, right. kind of come crawling back all at the same time. Yeah. Well, um, so I've seen work of your, I mean, I've, I've seen work on your site and like stuff from earlier on, but mm-hmm. when you got out of school... And, you know, you set up, was your studio the same one that you have now? Have you been mm-hmm. there a long time? Yeah, I've so been there ever since. how did your work sort of, maybe you could talk a little bit about that work you were doing right after school and how it's kind of like transformed into what you've been doing now. Because there's yeah. some threads that tie it together, I think. But it seemed like at a certain point you hit it's like a big visual change of like palette and yeah. the refinement of the figure and how you're tweaking it and stuff. So... Yeah. Um, well, I can. When I graduated, I was continuing the body of work that I'd um, that I'd started for my thesis, and I, of course, was working from the figure, and I was using reference images, um, photos that I would take of friends. I would pose them, um, and uh, it. It got to the point that when I was working alone in the studio out in my like Red Hook studio out in the middle of nowhere, I didn't always have someone around to say, okay, can you lay down with your arm like that so that I can light it like this and take a photo? Um, And I thought, well, why don't I just draw it? I've been drawing for the past, I don't know, at that point, it's 33 years. I might as well, I mean, I should know how to draw an arm. And, um, and so it kind of being freed from the reference image, it took me that long, but it, it gave me the freedom and the permission to sort of build this world, um, that became what I'm making now. Um, and the hands came because I wanted to apply for, um, Tiger Strikes Asteroids flat file program. Yeah. And um, I needed to make small work on paper. And I thought, well, I don't want to crush a whole figure into this small space, so I'll just do some hands. And I did, and it clicked. And I thought, oh, I think this might be something. And I just put one foot in front of the other. And, yeah, I've just been doing that ever since, the one foot in front of the other, seeing what works and trying to, dump out what doesn't work yeah boy hands are not easy too you pick the hard part <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i think are noses are tricky. worst <laughs> noses i don't, don't want to draw no yeah <laughs> um but you know the funny thing is my hands are not anatomically correct they only ever have one knuckle right. one joint um and so i think i don't know there you 
um, hmm. there's permission there to do something emotional with hands that you can't do with other body parts. Like they ha- hands have their own um, world of of conversation. I think because yeah. we use them so often. Yeah, I can see that. Well, um, cat down. Yeah, <laughs> that was a disaster. <laughs> um, what are you looking at? Because I would, I'm, if I'm imagining what you're looking at is imagery, and and that could, it's probably very diverse. But I would think that mannerist painting would be of interest to you, right? Yeah, uh, like Pontormo and. Yeah, I um, there's a Pontormo painting in Florence that I can remember seeing when I was like 20, I think, and mm-hmm. it's got to be it, it has to have kind of risen up somewhere in my subconscious over time because I've never forgotten it. Um, but yeah, there's something about in mannerist painting about like the touch of the body and and the squishiness and I think it's just all about touch that's in there and yeah yeah, I I don't think I look I haven't looked specifically at mannerist painting as a reference for particular work but I think the more I look at things that make me feel a certain way then I can think back on that feeling and try to channel it into what I'm making yeah totally I mean the and the distortion of the figure and the kind of crops of it and it being squished in and distorted I mean is that all I mean conceptually I can go there in my mind and sort of plug it together and I Mm -hmm. haven't read a lot of interviews that you've done because like in a way I want to imagine a work on my own but and also too if I'm going to be talking to you I don't want to have already heard the way you describe everything because I want to come in fresh but is it I mean is it what it seems like as far as this mixture of kind of unease and then also sort of glamour or polish and presentation and the presentation being sort of something that is almost forced or uncomfortable at times. Yeah. That's actually a very lovely way of putting that. I might have to write that down for an artist statement. (laughs) Um, It's totally about, uh, disease and the grotesque, not well, dis dash ease, and um, the grotesque, and but then also smushing that up, you know, no pun intended, against things that are beautiful and elegant and feminine. I'm really interested in um, femininity and pushing that uh, as far as you can to a place that it becomes uncomfortable. Um, and this is going back to what we were talking about with, with me being from the South, femininity is a different brand than in the South than it is (laughs) here. It's, it's, um, it's like on steroids, I think in the South, there are more firm rules, unspoken and spoken. Um, and it's kind of, I left very specifically to kind of get away from that. And the funny thing is it's all sort of come back, um, 
is something that I am interested in, that I have to deal with, and that I want to deal with, and that I'm confused by. Um, and so the paintings have this sort of propriety to them in some ways, but then they're also gross. And, um, you know, they're about sexuality, but then when it becomes way too much, when the body becomes so in your face that you want to look away, um, the femininity is just, it's too much. Um, And I think there's a power in that, but one that I'm still unsure about. Like, I don't, I don't know if it's a good thing. Um, Yeah. Well, I mean, there's so, I I think there's so much, I've heard so many women speaking about this idea of celebrating femininity and and present presentation and sort of feeling Mm -hmm. good about yourself. But then at the same time, the objectification or live, you know, pushing these standards that are put on women at the same time i mean i think for men it's i imagine it's a lot different i mean because you know masculinity there's something to be said about sort of maybe like exercising feeling strong and there's something nice Mm -hmm. about that but then when Mm -hmm. it gets too aggro bro like you know there's a line there that it crosses you know yeah you should want like you should be able to celebrate sort of intrinsically what you feel you want to present yourself as or to kind of like i don't know feel good about yourself yeah but then you are it's it's always grappling with this sort of idea of like oh well that's i feel good about myself because i'm trying to attain something that's been set up you know right who is actually choosing what femininity or masculinity means to us right is it you or are you following conventions of something you know of of what society says we think we should be um yeah like who really likes it you or uh, the i don't know it's 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 such a like complicated fraught territory um this is probably why i make paintings about it because i don't know (laughs) but i have very strong feelings and the feelings that's what End up that's with, what's so know. great about that's what's so great about images is that it doesn't have yeah. to be written out. You know what I mean? Yeah. It can float that because I guess that's to my point about not reading too much about your work. Mm. It it kind of it's nice where it sort of floats in between and you don't know exactly how to feel about it. Like you're allured yeah. by it and repulsed by it at the same time, you know. It's almost yeah. too much and too and and not giving enough at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think sometimes that's a great thing because it opens up um, people's ability to read the work in many different ways. And then I get to hear people having conversations and I get to feel surprised or learn something new um, or see something that maybe I put in the work and I didn't realize was there and then it becomes really obvious. And um, the thing that's been incredibly fascinating is the difference between how men and women talk about the work uh, and Mm -hmm. read the work men and this is not not everybody but I've heard and I've had a lot of studio visits with men where we talk mostly about sexuality and when I have visits with women we talk about what it feels like to be in a female body and motherhood so it's it's like these there is one painting and two 
very separate conversations happening. And I appreciate that. Um, yeah. I think that's, I think it's a reflection of my own struggle and, and trying to find out what these things mean. And, um, and when I have these conversations in my own mind all day right. and by myself. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's, it's super interesting. And I think, you know, in, in the, maybe the difference between how men talk about the work and how women talk about the work or perceive it, um, you know, men just approach things differently. You know what I mean? There's a whole different mindset. Like they can't yeah. understand motherhood in a way that a mother could Absolutely. understand it. You know what I mean? Right. Like I know as a father, there's just some things I'm not going to be able to get to. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, <laughs> like and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. I, there are things about being a male looking at a female that I can never understand, but that I actually would really want to understand. I'd want to know, um, like the outside perspective. I think that would be very enlightening. It might change it's my opinion. N- it's not that nuanced. <laughs> <laughs> it's primal. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I know it's a th- well, just like that sort of that balance between, you know kind of presentation or like wanting to feel feminine and then the the repercussions of that sometimes not to women's fault or actually even between women like i'll see you know someone look at another a woman look at another woman be like really that much you're gonna put that out there you know and it gets like it's not just male female you know i think it's just perception yeah and how that plays out publicness of a female body that it's sort of this place for conversation all the time and right there are moments that you just really want to disappear you want to be like a floating head walking down the sidewalk completely anonymous um because you're just trying to get to the grocery store or you're you're trying to like get to this train on time um and then other times you do want to be feminine you want to be um or you want to be sexual or, or looked at but not in a threatening way it's like it's all it's really hard to to even have these conversations with oneself (laughs) or with other women because you have to say like I want this but I don't want this and um yeah and so painting breasts is, is like kind of fraught territory because on the one hand like it's part of my body I don't think of it as you know it's like whatever like might as well be hands or arms like it's not it's not always something to me it's just what it is to be in a body but at the same time when I see the paintings like when I think about my parents looking at my paintings (laughs) I think that they would see it and think oh this is about sex or even having conversations, it depends who it is. I, I look at them and I realize these paintings change in light all the time. Like they're always kind of morphing. And I think that's what it feels like to be a woman. You're always, you're always changing. Your meaning in the world is um, unstable. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's and thinking about it in painting when you were saying 
you know, what it means to paint those body parts. Um, when I look at, if you look like at an old Manet painting, like Olympia or something, which mm-hmm. is kind of about sex in a way, but it's not really, I don't know, there's, it, it's just very, I don't want to say passively there, but it's an aggressive painting in a way, but it's not like, it's like, oh yeah. my God, breasts in a painting. You know what I mean? You're just seeing yeah. the figure in a way. Well, some of the, I really like Manet, but some of those paintings are, um, so cold to me like they even if they're about even if they reference sex they're not about the female um perspective of sexuality um yeah they are really removed um in ways that where I think that there's this huge gap in art history and conversation about sex and sexuality and the female body coming from a woman's point of view. Right. Um, and I think he's a really good example of where it was not happening. Right. Yeah. And the irony is that people really were d- disturbed by those oh paintings. Gosh. They were controversial yes, because they were so cold. Yeah. It was just like, here's a body. And yeah. it wasn't about sort of you know, fragonarding it up and making mm-hmm. it like this romantic view. Mm-hmm. It was just like plain as day. Just that's just a woman there. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. she's naked. And that was why it was so sort of taboo in a way. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, I, as much as I think about him and kind of exactly what you just said about the sterility of the female body in his paintings I don't I don't know if I like that or I hate it yeah. um because I don't I definitely don't want my images to feel sterile like that I not I kind of want close. them to feel like me <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good not even close to that good <laughs> Yeah. And to your point, I think like no man can really understand. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like mm. you're talking about the nuance of like of being a woman and like floating through these different sort of like roles or like perceptions. And, and it's mm-hmm. like ever changing in flux. Yeah. I don't think a man could never really paint that. Do you know what I mean? Sure. You Absolutely. just get someone like right. you get someone like Picasso who just uses the female figure and just tears through it just to prop, find different yeah. formal elements or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to do something like what you're doing, I think is really, you know, needs to be your voice. Yeah. And that's well, what makes it compelling, I think. You have to, I think, understand just like the physical weight of certain body parts of a woman. Um, like just the way bodies move, a female body moves. Um and you have to live that in order to really depict it, I think. And so that's probably why uh, my paintings like maybe look the way they do, look sort of lived in a little bit because they're about they're about touch, they're about feeling, and I have to I had to have that touch in order to um, recreate it in a form. Are there? This is tangential, but. Um, mm-hmm. Are there any abstract painters that you feel connected to or you feel like, ah, oh, that really resonates with me? Ooh, good question. Because um, you're talking about hmm. being kind of really figuratively aligned in the career of your making work. 
Mm-hmm. Is there abstraction that has a weight like that or has like a flow or a feel that you respond to? Um, Cecily Brown, even though she's yeah. not, she's kind of in between, I think. And I think her work recently has gotten a little more figurative than, um, than her earlier work. But she's one who I, I look at and I think like, oh, I understand the body in terms of just these marks and that's it like I I know the touch that you're talking about I know like the chaos of what it feels like to be interacting with another person and like skin to skin um but through the series of of marks and that's it I think she's even it maybe not even marks I think the marks are secondary to just like the actual physicality of paint of the the paint existing in the way that she lets it exist. Totally. Um, yeah, I think it's a great example. Yeah, even though she's not quite, she's not quite abstract. I don't well, know. that's like Sue Williams. It's she gets <sighs> love, abstract. Yeah. But it's all born out of that early work. Like I love that yeah. early work. It's oh, so those powerful. Drawings. Oh my god, they are. But then fantastic. It, the, the abstract stuff I love because I know it's born out of that but it's totally right. abstract so right, it's like the right. context of the work really informs how you see it's like de Kooning mm-hmm. but in her perspective you know yeah it's good stuff. yeah looking at the trajectory of it is yeah I think an artist's like body of work their entire life's work has to be seen um as sort of like stew of ideas in order to find meaning. It's always so weird to me that we look at individual works of, of an artist and think that we know who they are based on like that one piece. It's something that I think you do when you're starting, when you're like in art history 101 and figuring it out. And then, um, and then you start really digging in and realizing like, Oh, these are, these are people with long complicated lives and, their work changes along the way. Yeah, it's like Stairway to Heaven. Yeah, I know what that's exactly, like. exactly. It's like, yes. Whoa, that's a. L- <laughs> <laughs> it exactly. goes deeper than that. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> exactly it. Yeah, I know. I, it makes me afraid of like, God, what if I had one painting that just became like the Sarah painting? Would I be really horrified by that one painting? <laughs> you and don't everyone get to just choose. wants you to make that same painting over yeah. and over again. I know. I'm like this show. Eh. <laughs> I want to hear the greatest. See, that's the gift of being an artist. You don't have to perform the greatest hits. (laughs) Oh, that's true. That's a good point. Although that would be a a curse, but a blessing in a way, because that means people really, you made something that resonates with someone forever. Yeah. Yeah. Something that, that good old DJ Slappy is playing as we speak. He's playing some one hit wonders. I'm, the cha-cha I'm, slide. I'm sure he's. Playing. Oh, he he has it. I've seen yeah. them do it. Yes, the cupid shuffle. Don't even get yeah. me started. That all of them, all of them. Yeah, it's a DJ's dream. <laughs> See, without the one hit wonders, what would DJs do? <laughs> I don't know. That's a really good question. That's a really good question. Yeah. The B sides DJ like playing all the not so known <sighs> hits. Yes, like you would never know that this was made by Madonna and it was her like some acoustic thing from the 70s and yeah, nobody knows. That would be um, actually be a really good performance project. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to impose it on you, but I think you were looking for a (laughs) hobby at the beginning of this podcast. (laughs) 
Oh my god. I think oh my god. B-side Sarah B-side might be a good a father-daughter duo. Yeah. <laughs> Um, just, it sounds awful. It sounds like what nightmares are made of. <laughs> I yeah. don't think I could do it. Just let him headline, because if you come in with the B-sides yeah. after the greatest hits, it's going to be quick exit. <laughs> That's true. That's a really good point. I'm the opening act. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, oh I find, I mean, the that, so your show just happened. So yeah. you kind of, you got in there before this happened. Just I mean, no one saw this happening. No. Well, I had and don't two you more feel beats. for everyone, you know, who yeah. had like a show lined up? So I know. Um, the show was open for about um, maybe a month before things really closed down here, um, yeah. uh, or a month before the gallery closed. And I had about two weeks left on the show. Um, so I think. What will happen is they'll extend it when they open back up. Who knows when? Um, and the woman after me, Brandy Twilley, is one of my favorite artists. So she, um, yeah, she was supposed to be opening, I think, this week. Um, so she'll be she'll be delayed, but it's gonna be a great show. Well, the whole world's on pause, so it's not like yeah. one person's missing out. You know, it's tough. I mean, everyone's yeah. just kind of stopped no one knows what to do i know i know but i mean your 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 show was getting i mean you know people were really into it it's not like it was under the radar or anything so it's (laughs) great that's good to hear it must be nice to feel like oh yeah everyone saw that like you know people were reacting to. i think people saw it Yeah. yeah yeah that it it was a big relief that it was up enough time to um to have people like if they couldn't make it to the opening, they could wander in or um, kind of see it at their own pace when they needed to before things yeah. shut down. Yeah. 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 It wasn't the closing party that you were hoping for, but I no, mean, all but things okay. considered. Yes. I mean, yeah. always whenever I have, whenever I've had a show, um, I think the excitement always kind of, dwindles after the opening anyway i get yeah you know i think most artists get into a little bit of a weird spell uh yeah. when they have work up and they don't really know like do i keep making this do i take a break whatever so um so yeah i i got my like big amount of joy and was already in kind of a, a pause moment when all of this happened and I'm just continuing yeah. my my long long pause now. Are you doing are you making any stuff at home that's different than what you normally are doing? Um hmm. Not at the moment. I the only thing that's a little bit different is that I've really ramped up my drawing process because I can yeah. make drawings easily at home. Um and I keep a big sketchbook and my favorite pencils and my favorite erasers at home and um so I can like sit on my floor and lean on my coffee table and and make drawings and feel like I still did something that day even if I can't go out um totally, and that's yeah. that's the whole basis for all of the paintings anyway they all start with drawings and drawings that I labor over for a good amount of time and scale up and um go over with um, vellum and alter things so 
it's like it's like planting the seeds of future paintings yeah it's yeah. cool well we have that right yeah <laughs> i'm working on paper done. every day i'm doing one a day that's my my goal okay. is just make one collage I, a day i should do that i should really get into the one a day habit otherwise it's it's way too easy to just sort of let the time tick by at home well, yeah when there's when there's no schedule or everything's like up in the air and like yeah. i've found a routine is such a great thing because it's like okay i know that i'm making at least one piece a day Exactly. You know, yeah. And trying yeah. to exercise once a day for at least like 15 minutes or something. That way I'm like, yeah. okay, I have that going. I can check know? two things off of my list that I've yes. done. Yeah. Yeah. Going to the studio is so much like exercising for me. It's the same amount of discipline. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's hard. I've, I've tried to tell my family all the time, like, don't, you guys don't worry about inspiration. I don't have time for inspiration. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I, that is a luxury that I don't think I've had for a very long time. I just got to get in there and like get to work. I have yeah. my little habits. Like I get in and I make a tea and I check my email, respond to anything urgent. I sit down, I start drawing, I mix a palette. It's, it's honestly like, kind of not that different from being in an office job you yeah. you sit down and you go um and that's put, that's the only way i found to do it yeah you put in the work you know yeah yeah like it or not good day or bad day you yeah make something there are both of those yeah yeah for sure <laughs> on a bad day i just wipe it all down at the end <laughs> yeah well at least you were there right you showed up i was there yeah the most important yes. part yes <laughs> yeah well, um, well, how can people check out your work? What's the best? I mean, you do social media. Yep. Is that so, the most updated thing? I think so. That I keep that most updated. Um, um, so that's my Instagram. Um, should I say it? <laughs> Is that most yeah, helpful? You, okay. <laughs> you can share it. So it's S Slappy. It's S S L A P P E Y. It's my Instagram name. And um, I have a website and um, I work with Sergeant's Daughters Gallery here in New York and they keep me updated. Um, and I'm also uh, represented by Maria Bernheim Gallery in Zurich. Um, nice. And so they have you been? With that too. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Isn't it's it great? Really beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's travel. Like, a dreamland I know so it's painful I was yeah. supposed to have a um, solo show with them in June in Zurich and oh. now it's who knows and TBD oh, TBD yeah so we'll see well for, well for now people can check out the website yeah and Instagram <laughs> which yeah. for now is that slappy but it's soon to be DJB side I think oh right? my god for my um for my second degree account yes and uh will yeah. you <laughs> i feel That'd like now hilarious. i have to because it's yeah. been said all I'm, right people are going to be looking up djb side it's here after we it's gonna after happen. we finish i'm going to go on there and look it up and there's going to be some <laughs> jackass who's <DJB laughs> taking it who's emailing me like, like i'll sell it to you for 500 dollars <laughs> 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 yeah yeah, <laughs> we oh, better jump stuff. on this fast. Um, Definitely. Oh no! <laughs> now I do have a hobby. 
yeah. Right. <laughs> Besides. Well, thanks for taking all this time. I, I'm sorry oh, we didn't get you. to do it at the studio, but this is the next best thing. Well, when everyone's um, healthy and um, yes. feeling better, come by anytime. I'm there all the time. So Sounds great. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Sounded Vision is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Brian Elfred. You can find out more and find more images on Instagram at Sound and Vision Podcast. You can find out more about my work at brianalfred.net or at Alfred Studio. And make sure if you have time to leave a rating and review on iTunes, it really helps out. I also started a new podcast called Brave New World, which involves creative people from all walks of life, designers, musicians, writers, actors, all sorts of people talking about how they're dealing with uh, post-COVID life, life under a quarantine and still maintaining creativity. So you can find that on Spotify. Hopefully it'll be up on iTunes soon. And you can check out that at Brave New World Podcast on Instagram. Many thanks for listening. Many thanks to Sarah. You can find out more about her work at her website and on Instagram. And also make sure you check out Nazca Lines, who does the introduction for this podcast. He has a new single out called Pure Luxury. You can check that out on his site or on Spotify. And check out Lolitone, who did the intro-outro music. You can find them on Bandcamp at Lolitone. Many thanks. <laughs>